Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for a new year and new episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. Unbelievably, it's 2023, uh, but nothing has changed here. I'm still with the main man all the way out in Sydney, Australia, Josh Gilbert. Josh, how are you? How was your new year? Yeah, I'm good, Sam. Yeah, I'm good. The only There's one thing that has changed since the last episode, though, is that I'm now back in, in Australia. Last time we filmed this, we were actually in the in the same country and in the same continent um but no yeah happy new year to, to all our listeners good to be back um my new year was good as i say i'm back in sydney just getting over that jet lag um obviously after that christmas back home um watched the fireworks over sydney harbour which was which was delightful but how about yourself did you enjoy yourself sam well i i feel like the rest of the uk i was ill <laughs> and yeah. i spent uh christmas eve in bed and then the all of Christmas day and really didn't get out until just before New Year's and I thought it'd be wise not to do anything too extravagant um, and another thing actually that hasn't changed since you were in the UK is the trains are on strike again uh, so we haven't been able to make it into the office uh, this week but hopefully that will, will change and things will, will start looking a little bit better this year um, and look the years to start it so we're going to have to do some predictions uh, we can also do a quick preview of the next couple of weeks as well, uh, as there are a few quite important bits and pieces for us to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's probably going to be the best place to start. Let's have a look into to what's under the hood for 2023. I think I think a lot of investors are probably going to be pleased to see the back of 2022. So hopefully we can give some uh, some positivity uh, in the in what is the first week in 2023. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, look, just to, to set the scene for traders and investors of all timeframes, whether that be short, medium or, or long term, you're going to have to be paying close attention to these next dates that we're going to go through. So Wednesday, i.e. today, we've got the Fed minutes from the last rate decision. As people will know, it was probably perceived more hawkish than not. Let's have a look to see whether there's anything we can get our teeth into there. I'm not expecting fireworks fireworks for the market, but it is the next thing that could move it. Let's fast forward then to next Thursday, which will be the 12th of January. That's the latest US inflation print. So that'd be December's number. Uh, And we also, around that period, also get the first sort of earnings from Q4. So exciting times ahead for investors. And actually also this Friday, just um forgot to mention we've got non-farm payrolls uh which is always an important thing uh obviously we're we're keeping an eye on many things at the moment but employment in the us is one of those just before we get into the predictions i've got a question for our lovely listeners uh and i'll give the answer at the end of the podcast um and if i don't try to remind me but the question is when was the last time the S&P 500 did not make an all-time high in the calendar year. So I'll just say that again. When was the last time, last year, the S&P 500 did not make an all-time, calendar, all-time high in the calendar year? So we've actually officially 
been in the bear market for just over a year, I think third of January last year, which is, is ridiculously long. Uh, but yeah, that's the question. And I will answer at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I'm just thinking about that now. I'm wondering if it's, I was thinking maybe it was a trick question. Maybe it was 2022, but no, we had a we had an all right start to the year. Um, I think my best guess is I'll throw back to maybe 2008, maybe 2000, 2001. But if I know you, Sam, you're a man for a start or two. So if it's not one of those two, then I'm going to be thinking it's back in the 50s or the 40s or something like that. It's going to be a long, long time ago is what I'm going to yeah, say. You, you're making people think I'm going to double bluff this one. Uh, but yeah, answer will, will, will come at the end there. Uh, and, and you're right. I think the first trading day of last year, we made an all-time high and then we just went lower, obviously, with ups and downs from there, but we never got back above it, but it was an all-time high. Uh, okay, then, first up, Josh, how are you seeing things in the US? Uh, the reason I asked is because the US, they're the main event. They're the Tyson Fury, the Roger Federer, the Serena Williams. They're the one that moves everything. You know, I'm asking you to find a crystal ball here uh, and tell us what you see. How are you, how are you thinking about the US right now? Well, look, first of all, we've got to look to, to that data print that you sort of mentioned next week. That's going to be the key to, to everything in the US. Um, obviously, US and in, US inflation. That's that's going to be the key driver into next year. Um, and, and I think if we take the view of lower inflation leading to obviously lower interest rates, um, which when both of those were soaring in 2022, drove the market sell off. Then if we take the opposite side of that, then that should lead to a better market performance from the US in 2023. Uh, that's a, just a very, very top level view. But, you know, inflation um, isn't unlikely heading to that sort of 2% target that the Fed has set anytime soon. But inflation is, though, likely heading in the right direction. We sort of st saw the early signs of that in the back end of 2022. And, and as we say, hopefully that reading next week gives us some more insight into that. Um and I think that basically will give the Fed some reassurance that they can bore. So that basically being that inflation is coming down and it is heading in the right direction, that will give the Fed, as I say, that reassurance that, that they can start to slow down and then even look to be cutting rates at the end of 2023. I think on the flip side, if we take the bearish side of it, um, we've got to look at a recession and what that sort of recession then looks like. There is this split between, you know, obviously the the bulls or, you know, just the, the sort of the central view that we're going to probably get a modest recession. And then obviously the bears are, okay, this is going to be a deep recession. But I'm not sure that a deep recession is on the cards. Um, I think if we look across, you know, a lot of what the sort of the market view is, again, that can ultimately change. But we haven't really seen sort of many areas of excessive growth that you would usually get, say, with a deep recession that, um, you know, you, you're not seeing that sort of really high unemployment rates. You know, just not everything is is adding up in the same way. And ultimately, banks aren't in the same position as they were previously. You know, they're well capitalized. They're heavily stress tested. You know, they aren't over leveraged uh, as what we saw in sort of 2008. So I think there are some comparisons that we could sort of maybe take um, from, say, 2008. You could also go back to 2000 as well. Um, but I think we're in a different position um, to, to sort of any of those sort of recessions that we've seen. But I think the biggest risk from a recession um, is the crossover into to earnings. You know, earnings growth for 2023 is, is down just sort of a 
about 5% from its recent peak. Um, and, and the fear is that earnings could then crack and decline around sort of 10 or 20%, um, even in sort of a moderate recession. So that's the risk. But I think that we've got to remember the markets are forward looking. And I think that we've started to see that this recession is being heavily priced in and that investors and, and Wall Street are pricing in that earnings growth you know, are expected to decline by that 10 to 20%. Um, and I think that they are being sort of priced in, in in some stocks and they're factoring in the worst news. I mean, take Tesla. It's just a great example. Um, I was talking about it today. Down more than 70% in 2022. In Q3, earnings grew by 69%. Overall year-over-year growth of um, deliveries grew by 40%. Yes, it missed expectations of 50%. But again, when we think about that, really, um, I think the market's pricing in, you know, that that earnings decline. Yes, obviously, of course, we're not taking into account there, you know, Musk and his Twitter acquisition and, um, you know, all of that sort of bravado that that sort of comes with with Musk himself. But again, I think that just points towards, you know, what we're sort of starting to already see. Again, markets are forward looking. I think they're starting to really price in that recession. And we've already priced in a lot of that bad news. Um, and again, it's been a difficult year for economies in 2022. But I think that the worst of that market volatility should be be behind us. And, and as I say, stocks are becoming increasingly more attractive, uh, especially with those valuations. I mentioned Tesla. It's gone from 130 times forward price to earnings in March 2020 to 25 and a half times forward earnings um, in 2023. So uh, if that's not a discounted valuation, I'm not sure what it is. So the bear case would be that the Fed are forced to tighten policy more than expected if inflation doesn't ease, even as growth deteriorates, which would obviously lead to a hard recession, uh, which would then obviously lead to the worst scenario for stocks with earnings hit hard, meaning that we probably look back towards defensive stocks, you know, really keeping us with that sort of dividend theme that performed well in 2022. And then the bull case is that inflation cools sharply and the Fed can start to pause early in 2023 and then begin cutting late, but obviously earlier than maybe expected in 2023 as well. And I think that then makes a more favorable environment for stocks, you know, leading towards a bit of a, a tech flourish uh, later in the year as well. So, you know, I think there's both sides of it there, but ultimately the central view is that we do start to see inflation come down. You know, the Fed do start to cut very late into 2023 uh, and we're just sort of built for not a huge, sort of bull market for 2023 uh, but the building blocks for you know the, the next bull market it's, it's set up really nicely it really is and, and actually yesterday the day before yesterday in fairness was the first time i would looked at the market in a couple of weeks i mean there are some people who are built different it has to be said that are trading between christmas and new year because they've got nothing else better to do <laughs> i joke i joke uh, you're just more dedicated than i am but the, just looking back at the price action, it really seemed to me anyway that the market had no idea what it wanted to do. Low liquidity, not much going on, as you'd expect. And yesterday, we started to get a little bit more movement, but we're still within real key ranges. So those inflation numbers, that Fed meeting and earning, all going to be super important. And you mentioned that inflation numbers being on, on a downward trend, one, two, three, four, five, six months in a row it's been lower than the previous month that next uh, fed meeting is 28 days away eight hours 38 minutes 41 seconds for those that care with a 70 percent chance at the moment a 25 basis point 
hike and 29.7 of a 50. Some of those earnings dates that people probably want to keep an eye on. JP Morgan is the 13th. Uh, as well as Bank of America, Wells Fargo, also the 13th, Charles Schwab is the 18th, Morgan Stanley the 17th. You can see all of those on Finviz, which I'm sure many of you use. But just to, to flag that, that's really going to be middle of next week, end of next week. So some really important dates are around the corner. OK, look, that's US covered. Uh, have you got any interesting views for us uh, outside of the US. You know, it's going to be fascinating, as we already mentioned, but I wonder whether investors will still favour the FTSE. I mean, that's flirting near its all-time high, which is quite baffling to say, really. performed the best out of the major equity markets last year. People may be saying whether Europe could also perform better too. I mean, China's obviously an area where investors will be keeping an eye on and watching like a hawk or dove, um, pun intended. But uh, yeah, outside of the US, how are you how are you feeling? Yeah, look, I think maybe we start here, maybe in, in Australia, it's probably a nice place to start. We were obviously probably one of the most notable central banks to you know take that pivot and, and sort of slow down um, with sort of the rate hike cycle. I think- This is just before you, you continue. I love that you said we- like you are now like an adopted Australian. It wasn't like they, it was we, you know, we're going to have to have words about this. Uh, you know, will we, will England let you back in the country now? I don't know after that. Well, uh, mate, I'm just gunning for the the permanent residency in Australia. <laughs> so there might be someone from the immigration listening to this. Um, but okay. So, so, so here in Australia, um, there is a, there is a, is a, is a good outlook for, for, um, 2023 but i think you could again you, you could make similar ties to, to europe in the sense that again it's, it's a market that is, isn't you know tech heavy it's it's focused towards financials it's focused towards you know the material sector energy etc um you know i think we you know in terms of a house view at Etoro, we think financials are, are set to perform pretty pretty well in 2023 especially given the sort of tightening cycle that we are seeing from uh central banks globally um so you know i think you know onshore here in australia um you know it's set up for you know a cut in rates and a pause much earlier than probably the rest of the world as well um which you know ultimately opens the the playbook for investors start adding a bit more risk into the portfolio and and um you know taking a bit more a bit more risk as we say um and then obviously europe you know i think that relies quite heavily on on geopolitical tensions you know really i guess the sort of the middle ground would be that we don't see any escalation from what we've already seen and then the positive side of that is that the geopolitical tensions ease with obviously the Russia-Ukraine situation improving. That obviously then feeds into energy and, and food prices as well. Um, but let's not not forget, you know, the the, the sort of the, the saying of you know economies aren't aren't stock markets, and and the UK outperformed global equities in in 2022. Strong earnings with obviously higher energy and defensive exposure um, to the FTSE there, and obviously UK equities also you know, benefit significantly from uh, the pounds depreciation in, in 2022, given that obviously UK equities earn most of their revenue from international markets. Um, and again, it's important to remember, um, 
you know, the FTSE is, is, is quite a boring market. Um, we don't see hyper growth from the FTSE, but when it does need to do its job, like it did in 2022, it did it very well. So I think that then, you know, shows us that looking forward, I think it is, you know, the FTSE is still trading at a, you know, a pretty meaningful, uh, you know, valuation, quite an attractive valuation has one of obviously the highest dividend yields within developed markets. Um, Australia is higher, but um, again, it, it gives that defensive sort of outlook. Um, but I think we see limited growth from UK equities next year. But I think valuations, as I mentioned, are, are sort of still attractive and can offer, you know, that defensive sort of take uh, whilst, you know, investors do start to add, you know, a bit of risk uh, back into the portfolio. China, as you say, going to be interesting given the lifting of, of sort of zero COVID. I think obviously, importantly, we're going to start to see that normalization of the Chinese economy, which is going to help, you know, sort of the easing of supply chain disruptions that have contributed to, uh, you know, everything in terms of uh, goods, inflation, food, you know, whatever it could be. Um, China have been at the heart of it with with supply chain disruptions. Um, and uh, I think on that side, if we do see that normalization, we've got to remember that a rebound in China could also mean that we see a demand for, for global commodities again, which then could actually play into the inflation picture globally. So something else just to sort of throw into that mix. Um, but I think it's, I think it's fair to say you're probably still going to be cautious on China, um, probably limited growth in, in 2023, but again, it's, it's a market you watch. And then we can also take a look at Japan. I think most central banks tighten pretty aggressively in 2022. Um, and the BOJ sort of did stick with its sort of dovish positioning. Uh, that obviously weighed on the yen last year, as, as you all know, Sam, uh, especially as um, the, the the king dollar will just absolutely smash that even further. But I think the yen is probably going to be a, a key focal point for, for 2023. I think their equities there are cheap, but they're going to be sensitive to an economic slowdown. Um, because a lot of the stocks there are cyclical, but it could be a, a bright spark for investors to sort of keep an eye on. So I think there are there are opportunities that lie outside of the US. Again, cautious on on China, and I think you know you're not going to see hyper growth from from the UK. But again, with those sort of dividend yields and attractive valuations, um, there could be some long term opportunities there. And again, I think that UK market is is similar to to what you might find in something like Australia as well. So um, yeah, definitely opportunities outside of of the US. Yeah, and actually, really interesting just listening to that. And um, I was doing a little bit of reading yesterday around obviously. I'm trying to predict the year out um, and also I guess when you do that you've got to think or try to think about the the other side of the story the the events that are try hard to predict your black swan events you know which are extremely negative or um, negative events or occurrences that are impossibly difficult to predict so we must say that and these are the the spanner in the works for all analysts but I've got a couple of interesting ones here one I saw was um, Macron to resign uh, which would be, you know, negative for the euro, especially if it meant that Le Pen then goes in and what that does for sentiment around, around Europe. We've had these kind of rumours before. I wouldn't really say that would be, I guess, a black swan event. I think that's probably on a few people's radars. Another one was gold to soar to 3,000 after central banks failed to control inflation. It actually seems as though inflation is under control, but that would be a black swan event, gold to, to push to those all-time highs. European Union creates its own armed forces. That would be one to, to keep an eye on. UK holds a referendum against Brexit. 
I tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me if that eventually does come. I can't say it this year, but uh, eventually does come. And some other interesting ones, which uh, I don't think are too far from the mark, was Japan to hike rates. So they're obviously a, a much different position, as you mentioned there, to to say the US. Um, and it would be really, really interesting to see at the back end of the year what they start to do. And another one is is um, Australia's economy booms. I and mean, if we, you talked about China there and Australia, but if China do, you know, with the COVID, zero COVID policy and removal of that and the country starts to really pick up, Australia only needs to make friends with um, China again. And it's going to be, be great uh, for, for them. So that'd be one to keep an eye on. And I guess as well, there, there's one that, <laughs> Who knows whether this will happen? Uh, Elon Musk uh, takes Twitter offline. Um, we'll have to wait and see for that. But a couple of uh, you know black swan events, I guess, to keep an eye on, even though they're impossible to predict. So you can't really keep an eye on them, but there you go. Um, now let's move on to our, our last uh, area today. We'll talk about crypto. I mean, it, look, it's down, but not buried. Uh, how are you seeing things this year is there more downside or is it a case of being patient riding out the crypto winter uh, and then just picking the assets well it probably in a diversified way to be rewarded down the line yeah look i think everything that we've spoken about so far today um you would you would go and say that 2023 looks like it is set up to be a better year for for crypto um again slowly adding that risk into the portfolio maybe in the back end of the year or, or throughout the year depending on obviously your risk profile um or you know even at sort of these levels you know investors are going to be wanting to to sort of nibble away you know again we said it many times but mar markets are forward looking you know the markets are already going to start moving um without you if you if you haven't sort of managed to position so um Again, that doesn't mean that we're not going to still see lows. Um, you know, I think it's still too early to, to sort of say that. We've still got a fair bit of risk uh, left on the table in the, at the start of this year. Again, especially with that, you know, inflation data coming through. But um, 2023, I, d I don't think we see the explosive gains that we've seen in other years. You're not going to see probably um, thousands of percent returns from, from crypto. But I think it's a groundwork for a, a strong 2024. Um, you know that that inflation and and those rising interest rates really did impact crypto in in 2022 it, it drained the liquidity from um you know the crypto markets across the board um but yeah in the crypto sector it, it sort of exposed weaknesses across obviously a number of businesses we saw that with you know the the celsius uh, with ftx etc and those sort of product pro projects but a point I wanted to make on that, which which I thought was really key, and I, and I saw this um, on on Twitter early today, and it was and it was a quote uh, that I think is is really important to remember, and it said that the technology committed no crime, and I think that that is huge um, because crypto assets weren't the downfall of crypto this year; um, it was bad, bad actors, um, which you're always unfortunately going to get in this world um you know and sam bankman freed um was one of those bad actors and and we've seen that um and again it's just ultimately not the technology that's it's a downfall it's been people and how they've run businesses so um that's something to remember importantly this is there's no change in that technology if anything we've made advancements which we'll obviously jump onto in a minute so i think a crypto bull market is obviously needs to be driven by lower inflation 
that Fed pivot, which will obviously then, you know, lead to more liquidity flowing back into the crypto market. But again, that obviously is, is heavily reliant on, you know, inflation and, and obviously the Fed, as we say. Um, we've also, though, got to remember that we're probably heading into uncharted territory for crypto and obviously Bitcoin with a US recession, um, especially from a cycle perspective. Again, probably the last real recession was back in sort of 2008, 2009. And that was when Bitcoin was just sort of really getting started and being created around that time. So you can't sort of compare that. And again, you can't use 2022 as the same example as well. Um, and we're seeing the most aggressive tightening cycle from the Fed in, in 40 years. So this is a position for crypto investors that we've never really had. And again, unlike markets, which we spoke about earlier, there's nothing that we can sort of rely back to. Um but what we can do is we can look at the advancement of, of crypto. And despite the significant drop we've seen from crypto assets and particularly Bitcoin, the number of active addresses is at 900,000 for Bitcoin. That's 50% higher than in 2018's bear market. Um, and ultimately, Bitcoin's value grows with each additional user. So this is a huge step in the right direction and shows that we are continuing to see that adoption. We're continuing to see um, huge names enter the space. In 2022, you had Coca-Cola, you had Disney, um, you had Starbucks. Um, we've got the Australian Open uh, running fantastic initiatives at the moment through NFTs, etc. So there's massive names. And then we can also move on to you know the banks, the big corporations getting involved. So we're still moving forward, but I think 2023 in, in general is is probably going to see a big conversation around regulation. It's probably going to be, be the biggest discussions, and I think that's probably going to be welcomed by investors, um, platforms like ourselves, and, and obviously users of, of crypto as well. Um, and I think that's only going to drive us to um, you know a more transparent future, um, a more trustworthy future as well, which I think is is really important. And then just a final point. This is something that's scheduled for 2024, but another thing to watch is is the is the Bitcoin halving um, that could result, I think, in in more market participation um, in 2023. You know, investors are going to start positioning themselves in 2023 for that move that's going to happen in in sort of 2024 when we see that halving. We're likely to see. Um, you know, as I say, investors sort of taking that position. Um, and I think the halving will influence investor sentiment because of those sort of supply and demand considerations. You know, we've said it, the maximum number of Bitcoin that will ever be in existence is 21 million. We mm -hmm. already know that, you know, a couple of those million Bitcoin are already gone and lost and will never be found again. Um, so this halving is, is again, one of the sort of market drivers of Bitcoin that has ultimately always led to, to, to sort of a bull market after that time as well. So I think that's going to be a key point. And again, there's going to be something that media jump on in 2023. And when that does happen, that's when we'll see probably a lot of retail investors moving back in. And um, again, it's about positioning if you believe that there is going to be a, a next sort of bull market. So this is an asset class still maturing and growing. And I think 2023 will be a better year for crypto in general. Um, again, that doesn't mean to go and buy Bitcoin and Ethereum and load up completely right at the start of the year. Um, but we do just believe that it's set up for a better year and we're not going to see minus 75% from Bitcoin this year. Famous last words. But no, I, I, I think there's, there's Flip that. diversified portfolio for, for, for investors out there. At the current market cap, uh, as of right now, global uh, crypto market cap is $819 billion. I mean, you mentioned there about Sam Bankman-Fried. I mean, it's going to be really 
interesting when that Netflix documentary comes out, uh, just to get all the ins and outs of that. It's just a fascinating story, really. It really, really is. Uh, and one I'll be uh, keeping a close watch on. But yeah, fingers crossed for, for 2023. Um, I said at the beginning of the podcast, when was the last year that the S&P 500 did not make an all-time high? Uh, one of your, your guesses, 1957, was a year where there was no all-time high. Your other one, which is what I would have done, I would have done 2008 or 2009. I thought, yeah, you know what, that'd probably be it, uh, which was a year without one. But actually, uh, the last year where we didn't have one was 2012, uh, which is remarkable. So from 2013 to last year, we had at least one all-time high every single year. In fact, last year was the first time it wasn't double digits. So we only had one day last year where there was an all-time high. In 2021, it was 70, 33 in 2020. Uh, but yeah, 2012 was the last time that the S&P 500 did not make an all-time high. Uh, and then obviously 2000, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, none at all. So half points for anyone that said 2008. You're wrong, but I'm going to give you the half point. So did you say 1957 it did happen? No, well, in 1957 it was a year where there was no all-time high, but that's not the answer. Okay. Well, no, but I would like just to say, I that was I randomly wrote 1957. That was just a just a random like because I knew like if I know you, it would have been that. So <laughs> I'm taking all the credit for that because that Love is a fantastic that. guess. It is, just... especially considering 54, 55, 56, 58, and 59 all had double digit all time highs uh, as well. So it's just, just a random year in the middle of it all. Because I'm not going, you, you know me and you know for a fact I'm not going back through S&P 500 data to look to 1957 for that data, so. Yeah, yeah. well, anyone who said 2012, well done. And I guess that was really, if you think about it, for those people that remember, the back end is about 2011 when we had all the Eurozone debt crisis and whatnot, and, and banks really started to get, central banks worldwide really started to get uh, a lot more dovish and we had that recovery and back into the year I remember the S&P 500 and FTSE and other equity markets started to recover really nicely so I guess that kind of makes sense that the year after that we started to sort of see a full-on recovery and uh, wipe out the, the losses from the great financial crisis which of course you know the losses that we saw in 2020 happened in a couple of months just shows how much how quicker things happen now. Uh, but look, that is just like that. Podcast one of 52 weeks done. Tick completed. Uh, of course, we'll be back next week. We've got the uh, retail investor beat coming up shortly. So we'll be covering that. We've got a lot of the earnings coming out. We've got US inflation. We'll be able to review the non-farm payrolls next week as well. So yeah, I mean, look, the year might have started, but there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, and Josh and I will be here to hold your hand throughout. We will indeed. Uh, and again, yeah, we'll be uh, updating you on everything that happens in 2023. And hopefully it's going to be a lot of positive updates this year. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Take care, everyone. Have a good rest of your week. You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.